Welcome to Gapology Radio Podcast with authors Mark Tinas and Brian Brockhoff. We can be reached at gapology.org and our books can be found at amazon.com. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Gapology Radio. This is the podcast where we cover winning leadership and how to help your teams win. Let's check in with Mark Tinas and see what he'd like to cover this week. Hey Brian. Hey Mark, how are you? I'm great, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. Happy December. Same to you. Same to you and your family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're good too. Have you gotten started on your Christmas shopping yet? A little bit, but in general I'm a procrastinator. <laughs> Are you? Yeah, Joe started, uh, she decorated, I think it was probably like Halloween, she started decorating. <laughs> and oh and I think uh, Christmas presents were all wrapped probably two weeks before Thanksgiving. So by the time Christmas comes, it'll be like, you know, Valentine's Day. Yeah, it'll feel like Fourth of July. <laughs> I know, I know, crazy. So, what do you want to cover this week? Well, I I wanted to cover the cycle of winning. Oh, great! Okay, I love and, that. Yeah, it's um, let me let me tell uh, the group a little bit about it. So, as we researched uh, the work for Gapology, uh, we ran across the cycle of winning. Now, it's not included in Gapology; it was something separate. But it was a set of very simple behaviors that we found that winning leaders uh, carried out over and over again and created a cycle with them, a rhythm with them. And we can assure you that they work. So although it is simple, uh, we want to share it with you. How's that, Brian? Yeah, sounds good. I think we talked probably three or four times about actually making a book out of this one. We were going to make a book out of it, yeah. It um, It's so simple, though, it's almost like I'm going to give you the book today. So Yeah, really. Yep, sounds good. So, if, if your results are not what you want them to be, you can literally create the cycle of winning next week. You could put a plan together and put these simple four steps, by the way, in place next week. So you own your results Take control of them, and this is a great starting point. So I'm going to give them to you. I'm going to give you uh, some color around each of them. Uh, Brian can speak to each of the four steps, but I'm telling you they are simple. However, I would say that they're not in place in most organizations. Most leaders are not consistent in these four steps. So, All right, so the first step is set expectations. So... We always say keep it simple. So three to five expectations. And your team has got to know them. Don't assume they know them. Ask them what the expectations are. So let's assume that 100% of your team is going to know the expectations. And an expectation is not just a number. It's likely represented by a number. However, it needs to include the behavior or behaviors that equal that number then you've got a great expectation. So that's the first step. Set expectations, and the team has got to know them. Thoughts on that one, Brian? Yeah, this is so clear that this has to be the number one thing. You know, and it it really needs to be part of any, even training platform, any onboarding platform. As you bring people into into your organization, they need to know what those expectations are. It's really fundamental to this whole winning process. Yeah, we, we 
sort of took this one to the next level, Brian and I did, uh, in, in our leadership roles. And we literally set expectations or objectives, even for a meeting. So if we're having a meeting, we will tell the group at the beginning of the meeting, okay, the objectives of this meeting, the expectations we have are this, this, and this. So we, we try and lay it out there in, in any forum that we're part of. But if you're a leader of a group, the expectations have to be crystal clear, and you, you can't kid yourself that they're clear. You've got to know. You've got to verify it. Yep. So the next step is uh, keep score. So we have found a behavior in leaders when business isn't good, when results aren't good, to actually stop keeping score, to not publish the numbers. Bad behavior. Don't do it. Put the numbers out there. They are what they are. Own them. Look in the mirror and own them. Publish the numbers. So, Brian, I haven't told you this, but I was with a winning team this week. I was with a team that, out of a nationwide firm, is number one in uh, the chain, and they represent the state of California. So there's 50 teams, and they are number one in the chain. And let me tell you about their Monday morning meeting, which I was able to attend. They simply reviewed results by person. So there's 33 people that represent the firm. They're all salespeople, and they ranked 1 through 33 publicly in a Monday morning meeting with everyone in attendance. Now, that is keeping score. Now, let me tell you, it was positive. It was uplifting. By the time we got to number one, people were screaming and cheering, and they knew who it was since everyone else had been announced. But uh, it was uh, part of their culture. It was a rhythm that the leader had, and the leader did the ranking. But, uh, boy, they keep score. So keeping score is critical. Put the numbers out there. In and of itself, it drives performance. In and of itself, it drives the behaviors that you're looking for towards uh, the expectations. So, uh, Brian, comment on keeping score. Yeah, winners want to know where they rank. They want to know if they're going to win. You know, if you're if if you're not a winner, you know, you probably don't care. But if you're a winner, you you want to know where you stand. So don't be afraid to give feedback. Don't be afraid to share where people rank or or how people are doing or, you know, what their pro, uh, progress is on certain goals, certain expectations. Don't be afraid to share that. All of this helps create accountability with the team. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. What, one of the great behaviors I saw in this team this week was when they got to the top five out of the 33 in the number one team in the country. When they got to the top five, each of them had to come up front and speak to why how they were doing it. Oh, wow. You know, yeah, that's great. What their tactics were, what was working for them. And let me tell you, they were very humble. They were very willing to share. So this rhythm around keeping score is huge, and it can create great energy and pride. So do it and do it well. So the third, uh, the third step is the toughest one, manage performance. So as a leader, if you lead a team, how you manage underperformers is always being viewed by your team. They know. They know if you let underperformers off the hook. They know. They watch what you do. 
So manage performance. Work with underperformers. Go spend time with them. Understand if it's will or skill. If it's will, you're in trouble. You're going to have trouble turning this around. They're going to have trouble turning it around. If it's a skill issue, you can help set expectations, but at the same time, ask for their commitment. Get their commitment to turn it around today. Managing performance is also about helping people get better and moving the middle to the top and and so on. But you've got to have a strategy to manage performance or the cycle of winning is broken. So if there's any place where we've seen the cycle of winning break, and I view this as a circle, by the way. So I see setting expectations at 2 o'clock, the keeping score maybe at 4 o'clock, the managed performance at 7 o'clock, and the final step I'll give you is at 10 o'clock. If we ever see the cycle of winning get broken, It's at the managed performance piece because it's the toughest part and it's about you. So look in the mirror. How are you managing performance? And if your results are not what they should be, you've got to step it up. So Brian, comments on managing performance? Yeah, you know, as you're talking there, I started thinking about micromanagement. I think so many people are afraid of micromanaging their team that they're afraid to just manage. They're afraid to give feedback and, and create accountability and hold people accountable. They're afraid of all those pieces because they don't want to be viewed as a micromanager. Yeah, I like that. So if you go back, if you take that comment and you go back to the first step in the cycle of winning, which was setting expectations, if you do a great job there of having a number and then the behaviors that equal the number, you're so far down the path of managing performance it's not even funny. You've already, you've already set it up. You set up the winning. So if you believe in the expectations you've set and you believe that the behaviors that you've called out that equal that expectation are real and true, then managing performance becomes easy because it all comes right back to the expectations you've set. So the final step is the, the most fun, and that is to celebrate success. So have fun around winning. Make it clear, though, what winning looks like. So when you celebrate someone, when you celebrate those top performers, it should be clear to the team what winning looks like, what your expectations really are. But have fun with it. And we have seen many teams over the years where everybody wins, where there are no underperformers. It's just a range. Everybody's winning. Everybody's meeting expectations. And you can get there too. It really is all about leadership. But build a culture around celebrating success. Make it fun. Make coming to work a great thing. Brian, comments on celebrating success? Yeah, this is really where I think you gain momentum with the team. And if you look at the cycle of winning as a cycle, as a wheel, something that needs to get momentum going, I think this is really where you get that. You know, people like to be recognized Um, Some people like a formal recognition, something public. They like that. Uh, Some people like more of a private uh, recognition. So I think, you know, just some advice is just really to know your team, know what your your people prefer, and really leverage that information. Yeah, there's a lot of ways to go after this. One of the things Brian and I did in a prior life was we would meet with a team, and at the conclusion of that meeting, we would create a standing ovation for the top performers. And we did this over and over again. So everyone knew that if Brian and I were coming to visit, 
that it would be all about this standing ovation. And it became very powerful. Many of the people that received standing ovations in, in our sessions had never received a standing ovation in their lifetime. To them, it was meaningful. And we didn't ask their permission. We gave it to them. And the pride was visible. You could see it. And it was a significant moment in their life. So you've got to figure out your rhythm for celebrating success. But you've got to be good at this. So view this as a circle. If you ever get to the point where you're not winning, just start it over. Start over. Let me walk you through the four steps again. Set expectations. They've got to be clear. The team's got to know them. And they've got to represent not only a number, a metric, but they've got to represent behavior as well. Secondly, keep score. Publish the numbers. Put them out there. Rank them. Ranking numbers creates energy. Thirdly, manage performance. Underperformers can't continue to underperform or you are an underperforming leader. Everyone watches you. Don't be that leader. Be the leader that brings the underperformers to the top. And lastly, celebrate successes. It's fun. It's fun for the team. It can be life-changing. I can tell you about the awards I received 30 years ago. They're meaningful to me. Those moments in life were meaningful. They drove me. They drove me to winning performance. So that is the cycle of winning. It is simple. You can put it in place today with your team. You could have it fully in place by next week. Change the numbers, win big, and have a good time with the cycle of winning. Uh, Brian, anything else before we close? I'll just say that, you know, even though this wasn't in our book, Gapology, we've been teaching this in Gapology workshops for a long time. And I still, to this day, have people reaching out, say how impactful that this simple cycle really has been for them. Yeah. So true. Yeah. Great job, Brian. Thank you. All right, Mark. Thanks so much. Okay, we'll, we'll talk to you later. Thank you. Good night. All right, that'll do it for another week. If you'd like more information, check out our website at gapology.org. Or feel free to shoot us an email at contact at gapology.org. Everybody have a fantastic week. We'll talk to you soon. This has been a Gapology production. Visit us at gapology.org.